0: Investors Chronicle.
1: Welcome to the IC Interviews. I'm Lenore Walters and joining me today is Sam Koch, Manager of the European Assets Trust since 2011. This investment trust invests in smaller companies, an area you associate with growth, but aims to pay total annual dividends worth 6% of its net assets value at the end of the previous year. Um, Sam, European Assets Trust is increasing its total dividend for 2021 by 14% relative to what it paid in 2020. What enabled the increase in the trust's net asset value so that it could do this?
0: European Assets Trust is an investment trust that invests in European small and mid-cap stocks. But we pay out 6% of the year-end NAV to shareholders, which is distributed quarterly. And yeah, last year was a, a good year for the trust. We grew um the nav um nicely by almost 22% in sterling terms so that, that yeah that allowed us to increase the dividend what drove that well i think really we made some good decisions during the uh height of the um corro- uh, covid crisis we took a bit of risk out of the portfolio at the beginning of the year but as the crisis hit in march 2020 Markets fell quickly, Um, but that allowed us to uh, take advantage of some excellent prices on some really good, high quality businesses, which had been sitting on our watch list for a while. We bought a number of them and they sort of powered performance through the year, which allowed us to deliver a good return ahead of the benchmark and deliver that increase in dividend.
1: Okay. I mean, what would be one or two examples of um, these companies?
0: two that spring to mind the the first the first one is a uh, company called MIPS which uh, is a Swedish tech well we call it a technology business but what really it it does is it designs inlays for helmets Um, and these inlays help during a crash um, produce rotational motion which improves the uh, outcome of uh, uh, of a crash so you're less likely to be injured and this company is Penetrating its end markets, it sells the technology to helmet designers um, who embed it in their their helmets. It allows the helmet designers to sell a safer product at a higher price. Um, and and this is this has really um, penetrated the cycling market. So if you go into a cycle shop, look for the yellow dot because it will it, it helps save lives. But it's increasingly penetrating other markets, and that fell quickly. We bought it. At a really attractive valuation and that has gone up in fact multiple times since we bought it another good example is nordic semiconductor which is a business like mips actually that we'd met the year before we'd felt it was a bit expensive when we first met it um but the, the shares halved in march uh, and, and april and we, we we bought a position and the, the shares have done very well and that's the uh, global leader in the design of low power bluetooth chips which has of course benefited from uh, the increase in connected devices which is accelerated during the crisis.
1: Returning to um, your dividend, um, how much of a payment did you make from dividends of companies you hold and how much by drawing on the trust's capital?
0: Well last year was um, a bit unusual in that regard in that the pandemic affected a lot of dividend payouts as, as as companies conserved their capital and decided not to pay out as much as usual. So actually only 9% of the dividend last year was funded by income. The prior year it was about 37%, which is a more normal um, normal amount. But What 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 our shareholders and people need to understand and is that um, the dividend is funded by a combination of capital and income. We like to invest in quality growth businesses who are more likely to reinvest capital into their their companies to grow. So actually, the payout for on in the portfolio is less than the benchmark. Um, So um, most well uh, more than half of it is usually funded by. uh, uh, capital.
1: And um, how large is your distributable capital reserve at the moment? Yes,
0: yeah, it's, it's very big. <laughs> I had to ask our company secretary for that for this answer, and it's £336 million.
1: Now, because you can draw on capital when you're selecting stocks for the fund's portfolio, how much emphasis do you place on their income credentials and how much on their growth credentials?
0: Um, we are. Our philosophy is uh, we, we like a good quality uh, growth businesses, business, and the, the good quality growth businesses for us are companies that can generate high returns on capital and can compound those returns for many years, uh, creating a lot of value. So, really, if they can reinvest the capital back into their businesses and get a good return, we 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 like that. Um, but if they can't, and they want to distribute it to us as uh, as um, as dividends or share buybacks, we're, we're very happy, happy happy with that. So uh, we, we we trust the management that we invest in to make sensible decisions with capital. They are more likely because we invest in growth businesses to reinvest it to reinvest it to grow and 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 not pay not pay out uh, as much to us as shareholders. And actually, you know, we don't search for income generating businesses. We search for good businesses first that we can buy at acceptable prices.
1: And I suppose um, maybe this is touching uh, very much on the same. But when you're thinking about the trust returns, rather than you know selecting stocks. Is your focus more on growth um, because you can draw from capital or yeah. are you more interested in, let's say, generating an income?
0: No, we're more interested in long term growth uh, of capital. Um, and, you know, the, the theory behind the 6% year end payout is that the stock market over a long time can generate around about six 6%, 6% returns. We think we can beat that over the long-term and we have done. So we think we can grow our NAV, reduce the total cost ratio for our shareholders and deliver a 6% uh, income uh, to our shareholders. So we are delivering growth and income at at an attractive uh, cost um, within an attractive market to our shareholders.
1: And um Do you expect to be able to increase the dividend in 2022?
0: We hope so. Um, Up until the end of last month, our uh, total NAV return was uh, 17%, about, it was over 17% in sterling terms. Um, We've got a little less than two months uh, to go, so who knows what what can happen. But actually, this month has started strongly. So yes, we, we expect to be delivering an increase in dividend to our shareholders. Next year, um, with the caveat that, you know, stock market can be volatile, and we have two months left of the year.
1: Now, when you're selecting stocks, I mean, what's your process for, I guess, holding in the ones you want? And have you changed it in any way as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic?
0: No, so the the um, the pandemic hasn't changed how we do how we do things. It did throw up some great opportunities and it allowed us to execute on that philosophy and process quickly. But it hasn't changed uh, the core, the fundamentals of what we do, and those fundamentals are we we like good quality growth businesses. We think that. Good quality businesses can generate high returns for a very long time, and and far longer than than the market assumes. You know, the market assumes that returns will get competed away. Well, actually, great businesses that really doesn't um, it doesn't happen. Certainly for for a long long time frame. Um, so once we start with that philosophy, then we you know move on to where we find these companies, and you know we. We don't mind where we find them. It's just important to find those sorts of businesses. So we will do screening. We will um, regularly meet companies on roadshows. We'll look at competitors of businesses we own. but in fact, we're happy to look at competitors' portfolios as well for ideas. But um, you know that that process hasn't hasn't changed during COVID. The opportunities thrown up were really, really attractive, uh, and we took advantage of them to deliver. Some, some good performance over the last couple of years.
1: Okay, and um, what market and economic environments does your investment approach work best in?
0: Yeah, so look, we would expect to outperform through a market cycle, um, but we are aware that maybe there are certain environments where it, it would be a bit harder for us. So when you get um, growth and, va- sorry, c- cyclicals and value, uh, spiking you get a big rotation there then you know we tend to lag behind the market there but in our experience those are short sharp and painful rallies and and, and don't tend to endure we have a long-term time frame we believe over that long-term time frame the philosophy and process will deliver returns above the benchmark we will grow our nav deliver the, the income that our shareholders want uh, and and that is what we've done in the past.
1: Now at the end of September your largest holdings included an airline. Um, How has it been affected by the pandemic and why do you hold it in view of the uncertainty over the travel industry due to the pandemic?
0: Yeah I mean clearly this has been a massively challenging environment for for Wizz Air. Um, You know we all know (laughs) that travel has been decimated but Actually, this has been a really good crisis for Wizz Air. They've got uh, amongst the lowest um, cost structure in the industry, the best liquidity, the best balance sheet, and their competitors are really having serious problems because they've got historic high cost structures. A lot of them have had to rely on bailouts from from their governments. Um, And it means actually that Wizz Air has used the crisis well. They've gone and... um, uh, built up their network. They've made much better deals with airports. In fact, they've they've got deals with airports who previously wouldn't have dealt with them. And also, they've 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 um, signed some great deals with the uh, aircraft suppliers. So they're going to come out of this with a better cost cost structure, still a bigger network um, against a, a a competitor group that have really struggled. So actually this company is in great shape. And uh, we think over the next five years, you know, the the growth is going to be fantastic. I should say also, part of the attractions of this business is that it has a large proportion of its consumer base are in Eastern Europe. The propensity to fly is far less there than in mature Europe, but but it is growing. So there's a really nice tailwind supporting that growth. So, So yes, it's been tough, but this company has really used the crisis well.
1: Which of your holdings have been affected um, by the pandemic and um, what are you doing about them?
0: The most, I mean, to be honest, most of the holdings have been affected in in one way or another. You know, you've had to take a critical eye on them. You know, the weaker business models have struggled through the crisis and there's been a real acceleration towards the good business models. Um, But we... The, the ones that we found difficult are, the, are sort of the good business models that have been in the eye of the storm um i mean you, you've you've highlighted Wizz air but that, that's done pretty well but two other stocks that come to mind are we own a company called cts eventum which is a uh, europe's largest online ticket ticketing company um and clearly with events um um you know being decimated as well you know they've had a really tough time and you know their their sales have been absolutely uh, polaxed by the crisis but again look they they've they've got good liquidity they've always had a strong balance sheet and we, you know we think they will come out of come out of this this stronger um another good example is uh mar which is a italian food distributor um, and they sell into the you know hotel, restaurants, catering space. Again, another area that's been hit hard. Um, but their balance sheet's been strong. Their competitors have been hit worse. And what I would expect for this company is actually them to use their balance sheet to pick up some small acquisitions to build their market position coming out of that. And you'll notice from Wiz, CTS and Mar. I've all said they've had strong balance sheets, and if you look at the portfolio in aggregate, the portfolio has much stronger balance sheets than the market. so that while it's it's been a difficult time for a lot of companies, actually if you've got the liquidity, you've got the balance sheet that that will get you through, and you could use it to improve your market position coming out of the crisis.
1: Okay. Now, have you recently sold any stocks? Um, you know, as a result of the pandemic or for any other reason?
0: Yeah. So we ha- we haven't. You know, turnover portfolio turnover was high last year, but that was really about adding those new positions, and um, we geared we geared the portfolio slightly. Um, the sales of you know we sell companies when the investment case doesn't work or when the valuation just gets too expensive and i've got an example of one of each of them um so remy contro fantastic company a unique asset in the cognac market again that's another one we bought during the crisis actually where the valuation reached levels that we felt only accounted for the stock of cognac that they held and the beauty of cognac is that it as it ages, it increases in value. So we felt we had a really lovely margin of safety there. We bought it and the shares have more than doubled since. And it's reached levels now where actually we felt it was just too expensive. In combination with some concerns over one of their main growth markets where um, China is a fantastic growth market for them, but we've seen a more interventionist Chinese government. And we know they've cracked down on certain areas and you know, um, they've cracked down, for example, on uh, historically on uh, officials gifting expensive luxury products. So we're a bit concerned that that might happen. So it's really the valuation combined with a slightly different outlook that's allowed us to sell that. Um, the, a company sold where actually the investment case has deteriorated is it, just Eat Takeaway. Um, so we, we, we've we only stopped for quite a long time when it was just Takeaway.com, when they were the leading food platform in food um uh, takeaway platform in the netherlands uh fantastic business there they they branched out into germany by buying the delivery hero assets and at that point they had this dominated both markets but what's happened since is actually they bought into the uk and into the us and at the same time they're seeing more competition uh for the delivery side of the business and there seems to be a lot of free capital in this area. So we think competition is getting much more intense. While we believe Just Eat Takeaway probably over long term is going to win out, it's going to cost a lot of money to do so. And I think they need to find a solution for the US business. So the investment case has deteriorated. So, so we sold sold out of that stock.
1: Okay. Now, you also said that um, some of your holdings had benefited from the pandemic. Um, you know, what would be examples of these and why, you know, why why are you continuing to hold them, perhaps, if they've, if they've done well? Sure if yeah, see- it's
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's a good question. I mean, look, we've, we like, there are some themes which um, sort of run through the portfolio, and that's digital transformation, health and well, well-being, um, sustainability and emerging growth. Um, and most of these have accelerated during the crisis so you know our tech stocks have done brilliantly our healthcare stocks have done 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 brilliantly but we don't think this is necessarily a acceleration which will which will then um, fall off again certainly in the digitalization world we think the crisis has really accelerated that and and uh, w- w- will continue to to drive investments in that area in healthcare we've been a little bit more balanced. So if we looked at the performance last year, healthcare was a huge driver of our relative returns. And at the end of the year, we took a bit of money out of that area because we felt there were some companies that were looking a bit too expensive and which had maybe benefited disproportionately in one year from from the crisis. Um, so we took a bit of money out of out of that, but we I think broadly we believe these themes that have been accelerated I think this acceleration is sustainable, so we're very happy to maintain exposure to these long term growth trends of digital innovation, health and wellness, sustainability, and uh, emerging growth.
1: What would be examples of stocks that you recently added to the portfolio?
0: I'll start with a lovely family-owned Belgium company called Lotus Bakeries, which is a company we've been following for quite a long time. But to be honest, the investor communication and the liquidity wasn't sufficient for us to make an investment. More recently, that's changed. And actually, the family sold some of their capital, allowing us to enter the Business at a low price, but but why is it why is it an interesting business? Well, this company owns the Biscoff brand, and um, Biscoff. A lot of people know the Biscoff biscuits. Um, it's a fantastic fantastic brand. But what this company is doing is leveraging off that brand to to expand. So. Um, they're selling Biscoff spread, Biscoff ice cream. And uh, believe me, once you've tasted Biscoff ice cream, you you will have a real appreciation of how much this company can grow. In fact, 24% of UK households have a Biscoff product. Um, and we think they can replicate this success in the US, for example, where only, I think it's 4% of the households have a Biscoff product. So, you know, They've seen what uh, Morio and Nutella have done, and these guys can, we think, um, copy that with this unique uh, unique product. Um, but it's not only that that's driving growth, they also have a, another leg of growth with their natural food, food brands. They own the, the Naked and Bare brands, these are healthy snack products, which again, we expect to uh, take share through time. So a really great quality um um family family business um and then i think another good example is we recently invested in tule which is a or fuel uh, is is the frenetic way to say it um but these guys sell high quality ergonomic um roof racks boxes and carriers for transporting um bikes and sports equipment they have you know they're the market leader in terms of sort of um Share, but also uh, quality of, of 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 the product and brand, and their track record of growth is excellent. Um, of course, the trend for outdoor outdoor activities has accelerated during drop lockdown, and this has been a big driver of growth. But we expect this to continue. Um, but one of the attractions for us is we 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 think you know that's a great great part of the business. But one of the real attractions for us is how they can replicate the success they've had. Uh, with the sort of roof racks and roof boxes in, in other areas, and the area where they're making real strides is the active with kids segment, which uh, includes things like bike trailers, child bike seats, and uh, and, and um, uh, children children's buggies, which is uh, a market we think is ripe ripe for them to to attack with their you know high quality engineered ergonomic products. Uh, and great, great brand. So, yeah, so two, I, yeah, I guess I'm, these are two consumer businesses with great brands that we expect to uh, grow significantly over the next uh, 10 and 15 years.
1: Okay, thank you, Sam. A really helpful update on European Assets Trust, an interesting insight into how you generate an income. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable.